What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast. We are joined today with a good friend of mine. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Tyler Tutchero is here. We're going to touch on a great story he's got for a good rut topic for the bump and dump. And unfortunately, Logan could not join us tonight. Um, he's got some family stuff going on. So it's just going to be me and Tyler this evening. But uh, really looking forward to this one. Uh, me and Tyler actually got together and had this conversation before. And I was like, dude, why did we not record that? But uh, that was one of those good evenings with a couple beers. But let's bring on Tyler. How are you doing, brother? What's going on? What's shaking, Justin? Not much, dude. Just uh, trying to trying to fill my buck tag. Just steadily uh, plugging away. Had some good sits recently, but um, unfortunately, uh, just just hadn't come together yet for me, man. What's what's going on with your season? Not a lot here, man. I filled my buck tag Saturday. Uh, doubled up with my seven year old, which was really damn cool. Um, and so I'm done here in Indiana. Possibly gonna run back to oh, Ohio. Boy. Let's see if I can't right on, man. punch that Ohio taggy. But otherwise, we've just been plugging away here. We're pretty well done. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw some pictures, man. Congrats on your buck. And same with uh, with Nash's buck, too. That is so awesome. I I wish uh, – I can only hope one day I'll actually be able to kill a deer the same day as, as my kid. But it, um, it was really cool, man. So, so what's uh, – Oh, I can only imagine, man. I'm sure he was probably super pumped, too, when you shot yours, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He thought it was the yeah. coolest thing ever. We made a deal that more, that afternoon, and I had to shoot it. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like, it, it wasn't a slouch. So, I mean, hey, you, you know, congrats, dude. That's, no, that's sweet. It worked out pretty well. I told you it had to be a decent buck. It couldn't be a bummer buck. Right. It couldn't be a bummer buck. It had to be. A, it had to be a decent buck. <laughs> Didn't have to be a bomber. Just no Hell bummers. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. No, you guys did great, dude. I was super pumped for you. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. It's... So, what's been going on with your season, man? I know um, you like you haven't um, really had as much time this year, right? No, no. I really had a. I had a rough start to things as far as getting time to get out in the woods. I didn't do much scouting at all. No cameras out at all before season started. Um, and in October, I only sat once. And it was a kind of a throw-together Sunday afternoon set just to make sure everything was in my bag that needed to be there more than anything else. Um, and I made a last-minute decision last two weeks ago on a Tuesday to – bomb over to Ohio for a week or so and see if I could make something happen in the public ground, big woods over there and hit it hard with some buddies and was into the deer every day. I've from day one, I was in bucks and never had a, a day. I didn't see a deer. I would probably shoot. Um, ultimately I never, man, I never closed sweet, that man. gap, but they were all 50, 60, 70 yards in the timber and it just, nothing gave me a good shot. Yeah, that's cool, though, man. I love just at least being able to be on them is is way better than you know having those sits where you don't see anything and yeah, those are you're deflating. just questioning everything you do. You know, yep, those yeah, are de deflating sure days. Old, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's man. I'm sorry. I I really meant to uh, start this off. Like, can you kind of give a little intro to to yourself or some of the guys out there that might not know who you are? I mean, what do you? What do you do for a living? I know how how did you really get into this whole running and gunning style? Because you're a, you're a great guest for 
what we like on this podcast. Tyler's a big running and gunning, you know, type hunter. So if you can just give a little short intro to, to, you know, who you are and what's going on. Right on. Yeah. I'm a uh, 36 year old funeral director in in Balmer. I've uh, been hunting in general since I was seven. I kind of started bow hunting more when I was 13, 14 years old. And once I killed my first deer with a bow, I was pretty well hooked. There was no going back to really gun hunting much. Um, but like a lot of guys, I grew up hunting traditional ag farms, private ground, pre-hung sets, same trees every year, hope for the best. And after college, I moved four hours south of my hometown, didn't have the private ground at my access anymore, and began to dive into some public and really enjoyed the aspect of having more ground to cover not being held to the 70 acre tracks, 80 acre tracks and being able to move around and get on the deer versus let the deer hopefully come to me at some point. And at that point I was hunting big woods and started to hone my, hone my skills and finding big woods deer and, um, starting to really dive into mature whitetails more than anything else, you know, and learning what it took to be successful in harvesting a mature deer versus just any deer. Um, that's awesome. That's what, that's really what I was kind of looking for. Just like a little slight intro to, you know, how you ended up where you are today with, you know, you do now and nowadays you're more just into like saddle and stuff, right? You're more of a saddle hunter than a stand hunter. Yeah. I, I flip back and forth. I consider myself a hybrid hunter, I guess now, if I've got to put a title on it, um, I, fa- right. I find myself using a saddle as a harness more than anything else, but it's a great tool for turning, turning around in the stand, using a tree for cover. Uh, changing your seat, you know, seating position for a little while on those long sits. And um, so, yeah, I probably fit, definitely fit right at 50 50 as far as how much time I spend sitting in a saddle or leaning in a saddle, really, more than anything, or sitting in my on a stand. I gotcha. Uh, What's your go to setup usually? So, my go, like if you're going to go in blind, my go in blind setup, the same setup I use every day. It doesn't matter if I'm hunting a tree that I've hunted 50 times or. I'm going into a property blind is the 0.5 in the standard setup uh, with a seat pad on each side. Um, no, one bow holder, no other bells and whistles. Um, three. Du- and I got to see your setup at the at the mobile show at the Mobile Hunters Roadshow, and and I really like that pack that you got on there, man. Like you have a really kick ass system. Yeah. That- and I got to say, I. I kind of adapted it uh, this year with – I started running the .5. Yep. Um, and I love it, dude. I was like, why did I – like, why haven't I taken this out more? Like, because now I feel like that that's kind of transforming into – between that and the fix, um, they're probably two of my favorite setups. Oh, yeah. That's – I was going to say, I did run the fix when I was in Ohio for the first time. And uh, really – it's not bad. It's it's smaller than what I would traditionally run yeah. as a platform. I really like the ambush size platform if I'm going to run just a platform. But the fix, the fix combined with a pair of 14s, was like the ultimate yeah. observation sit. I'm going to go pile into some place for two hours and see what happens. Type of setup that I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I need to work. It bites so good, honestly. Like you can just kick off that thing. Like it doesn't go anywhere. I, I really got to sit, got to hand it to yeah, it. Yeah. It locks down versus tight. the ambush. Sometimes 
Yeah, the ambush sometimes would get like a little bit loose on some trees, but yeah, it can have a little bit. Of I don't know. They definitely fixed. Yeah, they fixed it for sure. I will say. Yeah, that. I do like it, but I agree with you. It is smaller, especially if you're used to the point five. I'm sure you're probably like, "What is this?" Yeah, where's my room? Um, but yeah, I'm, right. I've been running the point five for this is my third full year in it. Um, running it as a as a hybrid setup the entire time. I've never really hunted a traditional harness in it. Um, on top of that, I'm running th- I got three 17-inch doubles with two eighters that I run sideways on my seat now. I've always ran them vertically on the post the entire time with no questions until I got to Ohio. And before I left Ohio, they've been running horizontally on my seat ever since. Okay. Um, that's cool. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Out. I've been using the Titan strap and then I can put three of my, I use three doubles most of the time. That's my favorite, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I can bundle my aiders up with the sticks and then I throw the extra strap underneath or in between the post and then bring it back around. And then that way, when I get to the tree, I just unclip the Titan strap and I got all my sticks. Hell yeah. That works. And it's been a pretty kick-ass method actually. I mean, I'm, I'm been, pretty happy with it but um well let's get into this man i know uh we had this talk already about the uh the bump and dump and it was it was a awesome topic i think we talked for probably i feel like we talked for like an hour and a half or two hours about this so it was it was a, we'll it was a good to, conversation uh, we'll try not to Iowa. like <laughs> definitely yeah the definitely. Inf- well where do you want to get it started at the infamous bump and dump um I want to get started with this doesn't work everywhere and this doesn't work every time. (laughs) Bottom line, like this is not a tactic that you just got to, you can take and run with and expect it's going to be foolproof. Um, Right. It's all time, time related. It's all, it's time related. It's deer related. It's, it's, I think it's moment related to be a hundred percent honest with you, um, depending on how it all plays out. So, the bump and dump scenario for the people who've never heard of it before is the act of finding a deer in its bed and purposely bumping him out of his bed um, with the intention of killing him when he comes back to it. And sometimes that means, you know, sliding in in an evening and bumping him enough to set a stand and get the hell back out of there to come back and kill him the next morning. Um, in my scenario, I killed him an hour later. So I think it all depends on the deer you're hunting and the scenario of how the day is going to play out or what that deer wants to do. But the whole scenario is just the act of purposely bumping a deer or even accidentally bumping a deer in my case um, and deciding, okay, I'm going to set up on this and see if he comes back. Um, so as far as my scenario, um, I got an invite to hunt with a buddy of mine. And on a property I'd never been on before, about I jumped on Onyx, spent about 20 minutes looking at the map, threw a couple pins down, got dressed and headed out. And as I was walking up the edge of a bean f- cut bean field in the snow, I stepped into the timber, getting close to where I dropped one of those pins. And solid good buck bump out of his bed. Probably 50, 60 yards from me. 
I immediately knelt down next to the tree. And your first thought, were you like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It was an oh, shit Or did moment. you, like, did... My first thought yeah, was or my did, Were done. you like, okay. My first thought was my day's yeah, done. right. Like, I think that's... That's what all of us would probably imagine. I, I mean, I'm just like, you know, kind of painting this picture. Yeah, I'm diving into the timber. He bumps, and I'm like, well, great. My ex was in the right spot, but he's already here. And so I right. I, I dove in. I, I sat down or knelt down next to a tree, kind of assessed the situation, and he bumped out into the field, kind of stood there for a few minutes trying to figure out what just happened. And slowly trotted at the other edge of the field right before he we went into the field. I just gave him a big mouth grunt as good as I, you know, good as I could muster up. And I'm sure it sounded terrible, but it was enough to stop him. He spun his head. He looked back and he dove into the timber. And I just immediately, I okay. just was, go ahead. I was thinking, so did he wind you or did he just like, hear you or what like was there a visual like did he definitely see that it was you no i think i'm I'm pretty sure he heard me if i'm pretty sure that's all it was okay he may have caught a glimpse of movement or something like that along with the sound but the wind was in my favor um i didn't see exactly where he bumped from at that moment um Mm -hmm. but knowing the rest how the rest of the story plays out he was bedded up on the backside of about a two foot diameter fallen tree so he, I really had everything at my advantage coming in on him other than he heard me probably break a twig or whatever. And he bounced. Um, but I don't think, I don't think he really had a solid visual on what I was or what was possibly happening because he, he didn't really bounce out of there with the intention of I'm never coming back. Right. Like you just think he rebounded to secondary. Right. Cover. This is exactly what happened. Um, yeah. He just bounded over to a secondary cover, easy exit, all the things that a buck wants and needs and out of a bed. And so deer disappears. I immediately address the trees around me, see that I can cut the distance in half to where I think he bumped from and go to hang in my set. At this point, I'm in an ambush and I had gotten the ambush like 18 hours prior. It just showed up November 3rd. It showed up on November 12th, November 13th. I'm, I'm out diving into this piece of timber and which is historically a good day for me. I've killed a bunch of deer on the 13th. So I was super amped to go hunt period that day in the snow and getting to play with a new piece of property just added to the mix and made it really fun. Right. That's, uh, um, so anyway, back to the, you know, bumping this deer as he dove into the timber, I set up, you know, my ambush. And as I was pulling my bow up, I look out across the cut bean field and he's coming back. And at that point I had left my, ba- my backpack it. was still on the <laughs> ground. My clothes were still on the ground. It's 22 degrees and I'm in sick early season pants and a hoodie. Um, and I get my bow up, throw an arrow in it, and get it hung up for him to come into the timber. Like, he was back in my lap within 10 minutes at, at no 60 kidding. yards. And he starts this really, you know, intricate bedding routine. Of it, it probably took him at least 10 minutes to get from 60 yards to 35 yards 
as he worked through this giant briar thicket in this really methodical path before he made it back to his bed. And it was really the coolest thing to watch him do because you could tell every step was almost calculated on getting back to that bed. Uh, right. He was totally just looking everywhere for you. 100%. Yeah, he with was him. looking for everything under the sun and just couldn't come up with me. And he got back to his bed, and just as he got ready to bed down, a doe came through. He took off out of the thicket, chased the doe up through the this ravine we were next to, and I thought, there he goes. He's gone. as He's out of my life again for good. Um, kind of deflated. I sat there for a second, and probably five minutes later, I look up, and here he comes trotting back down the edge of that cut bean field, coming my direction again. And he cuts into the woods at the exact same place and starts the exact same bedding routine and takes him probably 10 minutes again or better to get from 60 yards to 35 yards. And so I, you know, as I'm, I'm gearing up to shoot him in standing in his bed. Like at this point, I know where he's going to bed down at. I know what's how this is going to play out. I've got one opportunity to shoot him and that's, he has to be standing in his bed. Um, right. He comes back gets ready to step into that fucking clearing again. And a little buck comes cruising through. He blows out of the thicket and goes to run, run goes to run <laughs> oh, that little buck. No. And again, you know, you're just like, are, are you kidding oh, me? Man. Like, how does this play out again? <laughs> and buck runs off five, 10 minutes later, here he comes trotting back down the edge of the beans again. And again, I get to watch the same routine of him taking 10 to 15 minutes to get back into his bed. And I'm freezing at this point. Like we're going on an hour of standing on this platform in walk-in clothes in a lineman's belt, like no tether on the tree, no nothing. Yeah. And Oh Oh, yeah. I'm just standing there upright. Like I'm not leaning into my belt because that thing's, you know, you roll around in that thing. There's no way I'm going to shoot from it. So I'm standing upright on the platform back to the yeah. tree, just like you would in a tree stand. And yeah, this last time he comes in, he makes his 15, 10, 15 minute routine of getting back into his bed. And that little buck comes back. And this time, instead of just, instead of just no, blowing no. him out of there, the buck crosses on, over the top of the log that he's been bedding behind and turns broadside at 36 yards and I sent an arrow through both of his lungs. And it was kind of the wildest thing. You know, we all know that sound of an arrow hitting that cavity, and we know that it's good. Right. But f- that, that pop, pop, but following that pop was the loudest sound I've ever heard in the woods. And I couldn't figure out what it was. Really? It was just the loudest thump, pop, noise. And my deer runs off to like 65 yards right to where he come, came, comes into the timber at for that bedding routine and stands there for probably five plus minutes motionless. Oh, man. No way. No kidding. I could see his head. I could see his ass. No vitals. I couldn't glass to yeah. see where the hit was. Like, all I could see was his head and his ass. I couldn't put another arrow in him. And he stands there. And when he finally starts to move, he starts the exact same bedding routine again. 
and he stumbles a couple times during it this time. He hits the ground a couple times, but every time gets back up and continues on with that exact same routine and ends up bedding back down in his You're bed. Kidding. And I... So, like, could you see your hole? Like, could you see where you hit him and, like, blood I could or see a little bit of blood on his side, but nothing nothing huge like it wasn't pouring out of him or anything like that um okay that was the thing like the whole time like i couldn't get to my binoculars because they were in a backpack on the ground so all i've got is my i've got my eyes and he's only at 35 to 50 you know 65 yards this whole time but it's thick he's we are working around in some thick stuff kind of headed towards me after he moved out from that tree and so I couldn't really tell 100%. Like, I knew the arrow was good. There was no question in my mind when I sent it that it it, it went home. But everything in my mind right. was making me question it once, you know, once I watched this deer. And he gets all the way back to his bed and beds down and eventually lays his head down and picks it back up and lays his head back down and picks it back up. And I don't know how long that went on for, but that little buck from before probably felt like, Oh, it felt like an eternity. It was probably two minutes. Probably felt like, yeah, an eternity. it was probably two yeah. minutes, but it felt like 20. Dude, I, I've only had, I've only had that. My first like good archery buck did that exact th- same thing. Like it took him like a half hour to, to expire and I couldn't put it's another miserable. arrow in him. Like he, Yeah. I remember calling my dad just freaking out and he's like, Oh, he'll go down. He'll go down. I'm like, but he's, he's not, not. Going down. Like he was really, really messed up. But like, I just remember him. Like I was like, he's dead. Nope. He's not dead. He's, he's lifting his head back up. Oh, he's dead. No, no, no. And it's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do, deal. man? It was similar to yours too. Like, honestly, I think I killed him within the first like half hour of getting in my stand. So I'm like, I've got all evening to watch him expire. It's just but, so tough. It's so tough. And and knowing oh, how yeah. many of them just get up and walk off to never be found again. Like, to clot up and be gone. Exactly. It just makes it so... What broadhead were you shooting? Was it was this, like, an no, expandable? G5 uh, Montec. Yeah, it was a Montec. Okay. I've shot a pile of deer with those things. I really like them. They're sharp. You know, I can resharpen them. Um, there's just a solid, solid, yeah. solid, solid head. and They don't put the biggest hole in stuff, but everything I've shot with one and dies. And that's really all we're looking for. Um, But yeah, he ends up, you know, long story short, he ends up getting up from that bed again. When another, when that little buck comes back, Um, he gets up and does the same thing. He crosses over the top of his bedding log and postures up. And when he blows up to posture up to that deer, he falls over dead. Um, 35 yards stands there, just falls over. I got to watch it all go down. Um, and that little buck went up and started poking at him and pawing at him and trying to figure out why, why he wasn't fighting with him anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And you're just ready to get the heck down. I'm sure you're probably just like, all right, well, <laughs> let's get you out of here. I'm ready to get, yeah, I was frozen. Stand, right? I, I was over it. Like my phone had literally been blowing up in my pocket the entire time this is going on. Like I had buddies texting me wanting to know if I was okay. Like, they all knew I had left the truck and was, you know, headed in to get set up on this new property. And, uh, you know, my buddy who invited me to hunt there is on the other side of the farm. He's trying to figure out if I'm in or okay. And, uh, so when I pulled my right. phone out, you know, it's, 
notifications everywhere. And it's like, no, I'm done guys. Like, sorry, y'all thought I was something was wrong, but I'm done. Yeah. And I was kind of busy. <laughs> right. I'll see you. <laughs> see y'all. <after laughs> That's sick. Uh, but man. yeah. Yeah. That it, honestly, like that, that is one of the coolest stories. I don't know why, like, why it, like they can take an arrow like that, you know, through both long and like when you got down on your deer and you saw the shot, oh, I mean, yeah. was it money? Yeah, it was I mean, it was the perfect shot. Like when I when yeah. I gutted him, both lungs were gone. Like it was exactly what you would ask for for a bow hunter, but it just right didn't quite. It took some time. That that was it. You know, his and I think a lot yeah. of that comes into yeah. adrenaline. You know, it comes into adrenaline and the deer itself and kind of the right. scenario. You know, he was not worked up when I shot him. He had no questions about where he was. He was in his safe zone. I had invaded his safe zone and I mm-hmm. beat him, period. Um, right. You know, but that whole bump and dump thing, that's the thing is, you know, you come back to that whole scenario and, you know, you really have to either A, be willing to blow the shot on that deer for good, you know, to, to, to try to make that happen or feel confident enough in what that deer is going to do and what your skill set is to know that I, you can make that happen the first time it happens, you know, your first opportunity you get. Um, yeah. Now, like when you did this back then, I mean, like, did you know about that technique or was this just like, Hey, I just saw this deer and I know I didn't scare the hell out of him. I'm going to try and set up right here because you thought maybe so, he would come back. I was aware of the idea of bumping a deer out of its bed to a locate a deer. Um, you know, you go right. piling into some, some thick timber, some thick cover. And, you know, if I don't blow a deer out of there, I'm probably not going back. So, um, yeah, you know, I knew, I knew the, the concept right. of that. And obviously I'd heard, you know, on some of, you know, Andre and Cody DeQuisto's podcasts and by talking to those guys that, you know, it's a tactic Andre's used in the past is if he thinks there's a big deer living somewhere, you know, he's not above going in and blowing that deer up and setting up with the idea of I'm, I'm going to come back and right. kill you in your, you know, as you're coming back to bed, that may be tomorrow. That may be. You know, and for some situations, it may be next week before you get the right wind, you know, or the right scenario to be able to slide back in and do that. Yeah. Um, So for me, it was one of those things of all the podcasts we listen to, all the information we ingest as hunters, you know, you just file it away in those memory banks. And when that scenario presents itself, you make decisions that you think are going to be, you know, advantageous to you and sometimes they work and sometimes you walk out of the field, go shaking yeah. your head going, well, that was dumb, but you learned something that day either way. Right. Exactly, man. I remember, like I always said it, it's like, you know, we're all kind of like mechanics as far as like, this is just like a good analogy for it. But like, you know, when you start off as a mechanic, you have a small toolbox, right? Yep. With the essentials. But then you look at the master mechanic and his his toolbox enormous and it's full of every tool all the you specialty tools but it took him a long exactly and it took him a long time to accrue all them and guess what he's still right. buying tools yeah exactly so i think it just goes it just goes to show no matter how good of a hunter you are there's always something to be learned uh whether it's from hunting you know blowing an experience that you're you know you go through or a hunt um 
I, I feel like, you know, I always try to take something away from success or failure, you know, I feel like the failures I learn like more from, they, they've more like ingrained stuff. In oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the successes but... you end up only focusing on the success portion of what happened there and not, not what could have went wrong or what you could do better. And right. like, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And that's to me, you know, part of what makes a hunter, a, a mature deer hunter different from your, your regular guy who, who hunts two or three weekends a year and just considers himself a deer hunter is that, that the toolbox necessary to chase mature, mature deer is a whole lot deeper than what's necessary just to chase deer period. Right. Um, it's kind of interesting, man. This evening I actually went out and, um, just a short rant that's a little slightly off topic, but, uh, I think you'll like this. So I go into this piece of public that's near the house and in here, the reason that I hunted it today was because last year, um, I was already tagged out by now, right? I tagged out November 5th. I had this camera soaking on public, um, in a new spot that I had no history with at all, just somewhere that looked good on Onyx. And I, I figured I'm like, well, I'll go scout it. And I threw a camera right on this Creek crossing. It was like, like a real nice drainage ditch, but I mean, it was so visually obvious that the deer crossed the drainage at this one point. So I put a camera angling down on it. Well, I went back in there and checked it in like March, right? Like I, you got, you got a fire video and I was like, let me go shed hunting and I'll go. uh dude honestly i was bumming um so i'm scrolling through the pictures right and i'm like hammer 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 like it's one good buck then there's a giant 10 like pushing i don't know probably mid 60s and i'm like oh dude like this guy's daylighting it's like you know right around rifle season and i'm like oh shoot when next picture i gets the orange army going in there and then like two days later dude I get a picture of this giant 10 getting drug out you know, so down epic. the creek bank. And so I'm like, epic. oh, no, dude. I know it sucks, oh. but. Oh, it was terrible, man. <laughs> well, like, and it's public land. I'm not, I'm not like, going to be like that guy and be like, oh, well, he shot my deer or anything like that. But, but it was really cool. So today I go in there, and today was a total bust, honestly. It was typical, like, bullshit you go through on public land. Freaking. Two black labs, uh, you know, running through the creek. Um, a guy on a four-wheeler. Uh, another guy blasting off Sweet. rifle shots. Well, dude, like, when the four-wheeler came... Yeah, when the four-wheeler came through, like, a half hour before dark, I was like, I've had enough. I'm done. Like, this is it. You know, I already saw a bunch of does come through. There were no bucks with them. Well, I end up meeting this guy that drugged this deer out. He ends up walking out of the woods as I'm climbing down. And he was a great guy. I had an awesome conversation see, with him. Did you send him his and, videos? Uh, just hilarious that I did. I sent him I sent him a couple pictures and I was like, Hey man, um, you know, do you hunt back here often? I was like, I am not trying to bother you or anything. I, I was just curious and he's like, Yeah, I've been hunting here for a few years. You're actually the first person I've seen back here and I'm like, because it's about a mile back, like it's deep. And I was like, Well, you know, you're the first person I've seen in here too, which is kinda interesting. I said I had a camera in here last year and um, just between you and me, I was like, would you uh, have happened to kill a deer back here? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, don't lie. You killed a freaking giant back here. I was like, I got a picture of you dragging him out. And he started cracking up, man. 
And uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like, don't you tell anybody about that. I was like, oh, I won't. Your I was like, safe. don't worry, don't worry. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, and he's like, dude, he's like, well, here, check this out. Shows me another big deer that he's killed in there. And I'm like, oh, my God. This guy's just a rifle hunter. But it just goes to show, like, how good public land can be. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and how, like, how much of a, a secret it really should be, too. You know what I mean? So, it's one of those things. Like, he's like, look, dude, I don't mind sharing stuff with you because you seem like a good guy. He's like, let's get numbers. And he's like, I'll make sure I don't mess you up. You let me know, like, you know, if you want to go back here or do this or that. And I'm like, all right. So I think overall, like even though it was such a negative night, it turned yeah, out kind of so, positive. Like, I moved away from the public ground spot that I had in Southern Indiana ten years ago this year. So this is my tenth season away from public ground. And okay, granted, there's been a huge influx in the last ten years of bow hunters. Um, you know, there's been a lot of people talk about that, and you know, bow hunting in general has gained popularity. Yeah, especially for public land too. It's I mean, like I will tell you that I feel one hundred percent that you know legalization of crossbows has helped with that a lot. Uh, yes, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. They're yeah. here to stay, so I'm not going to argue about it. Right. The but the whole public land thing, like I was apprehensive to go dive back into public, you know, and leave my private ground to go give up rut time in another state. And my yeah. uh, my outcome was not negative. Like I enjoyed myself. I did run into other hunters, but I had the same you know the same types of encounters. Like everybody was really cool. Everybody was helpful, and you know, where are you at? Not so much because I want to come step on your toes, as I want to stay away from you. Um, yeah, you're obviously putting in effort, just right. like I'm putting in effort. So let's let's put in a little effort to not hurt yeah, each other. It's a, that's a it's spot on. Exactly. Like this guy was even a smoker and he's like, man, if, if I would have knew you were back here, I wouldn't have been smoking in my tree stand. I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and this guy's killing giants, you know? I mean, granted they're with a gun, but still like, you know, I gotta get, gotta hand it to him. I, uh, well, I went, was hunting down there in Ohio this past week and, you know, I wasn't looking for a giant. I was looking for a 130-inch deer. You know, if I could have a solid Pope and Young deer, I was going to be happy. And I saw a handful right. of them. And one of the one morning I had, I don't know, probably a 125, 130-inch 10-pointer come cruising through at 60 yards. And when he came through, it was like, yeah, I'd kill you. You know, if I was 30 yards closer to you, you'd be dead right now because you're good enough. And right. that afternoon I come cruising in on my bike and meet a couple with a game, with a deer cart dragging him out of the woods. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, well that one's gone. <laughs> I saw him this morning. Apparently you did too. Um, yeah. Yeah. No was, kidding. Uh, a lady's first buck, her first bow kill. Like hell yeah. It oh, was, awesome. I was all about it for her. I was yeah. like, you know, I wasn't in a hurry. Cause I'm late. Like always I, uh, I'd hook that thing to my bike right. and pull it out for you, but I, I got to go. I still got another two miles. So Right. <laughs> oh, you dude, were going yeah. pretty deep then. Huh? Like how now, like how is it out there, man? Like, cause I've been, 
and I'm not trying to give away where you were at, um, but I've been to like, um, like I guess it was uh, like Chillicothe uh, around there. I went out there for like a shed hunt, like with a buddy of mine. I think five years ago or something, and it was pretty <laughs> yeah. hilly. Honestly, it was almost like you know Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. No, it's not no, what I, I thought, was. Honestly. Uh, I was shocked when we when I pulled off of like the main roads and headed into the hills. And realized real real quickly that this is what I'm hunting. Like, there's not there's not flat ground at the top yeah. that where we're going. Like, we're, these are the hills I'm hunting, no. and I'm like, no, okay. Like, I'm not scared of terrain, and I'm not scared of elevation. But it's been a while since I've chased whitetails on something like that, and it was yeah, big wood steer. The terrain didn't matter once you found it, once you found the elevation right. they were at it was big woods deer and it was a lot of fun. Like again, for public ground, I have zero complaints, zero bitches about where we were at. There were people, but there was enough ground that you didn't have any issues. Um, but I mean, we were hunting deep. That's yeah. Now, like when you were setting up in there, I mean, what was your game plan? Were you like looking for scrapes, rubs? I mean, like you were just scouting, looking for signs. Exactly. And then you'd I, up I burnt there. probably fifty miles on my bicycle during that first three or four days I was there, um, blasting around mid mornings and looking for sign, looking for you know what we what I found interesting. What we got talking about was like I'm used to being able to cruise a, a logging road or a solid trail through the woods and then start looking for intersecting trails and peel off of those, you know, to go into cover or right. to get an idea of where, you know, what, where the, what the deer are doing. And you couldn't find a game trail right. there to save your life. There were horse trails. Okay. So were there like saddles on the hills? Yep. Or there was some like saddles that and there were horse cruise, trails or? everywhere. So I was, I cruised a lot of horse trails and then we'd get to cover and get to, you know, train markers on my maps that I had picked out that I wanted to check out saddles, you know, benches, stuff like that, that looked like they should hold deer. Um, and then, you know, would hunt, you know, either side of the game trail are those horse trails, but I didn't have any luck just, cru- you know, cruising down these horse trails and picking up, you know, an intersecting, you know, deer trail that was, you know, perpendicular to, to where I was running and say, okay, I want to dive down down the hill of 500 feet or 300 feet and see what, you know, what's going on. Cause obviously they're wanting to go that way. You just couldn't pick that kind of yeah. stuff up. So I was pretty much having to rely on scrapes and rubs. And then, you know, once that got your attention, essentially you could start to dive in a little more and see if it was worth going either direction, high or low from where you were at. I got you. Um, on it, I got you. on X was huge. I mean, as far as, uh, like, as far as, like, location, I mean, were they, like, more on the upper third? Upper third, like, lower always. third, or, like... Upper third. What did oh, you... Oh, they're always, they're always on the upper yeah, third. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, I was gonna guess that. Yeah, it seems that way. Or, or down in the bottoms, dude. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've found some good ones in the bottoms, but I'm also not hunting giant hill country. Um, and it's also the rut. I mean... So it's not like I'm old. That's the thing is like bottoms, but 
I had so my bucks that I run into, every one of them were out in the upper third. Most of them came down to me. So they were even a little bit higher than where mm-hmm. I was. But then almost every one of them would drop down into this bottom and cruise it. So, you know, I can't tell you that the bottoms okay. aren't fun or aren't good when every one of those deer headed that direction at some point. But like yeah, you start dealing with thermals and stuff in there in the mornings and the evenings that trying to hunt the bottoms is next to impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I've been here recently, man. I've been hunting a big, uh, pretty much like a intersecting funnel area and I'm all the way at the bottom and it's been fire, honestly. Uh, at least, you know, I, we had that peak, we had like a peak of like rut activity on Saturday that was just insane. I think I saw 30 deer total on Saturday and I had one. Oh, it was so, I mean, honestly, I gotta say, dude, it was probably one of the best days of hunting I've ever had, um, Our, where I didn't kill anything. Um, and I, I really kicked myself in the ass. My whole game plan was to sit all day in there, but in the morning it rained and then it turned into freezing rain and then it turned into snow. And at 10 o'clock, I was so freaking cold, Tyler. Like, I, I mean, I'm soaking wet. My arms, I did great. Like, my core was good because I had a heated vest. Um, so, props to the heated vest that kept me in the game. But once my arms were, like, that cold and, like, numb almost, I was like, all right, let's go recharge. I went up, went to the house, uh, dried my clothes, uh, got back out as quick as I could. It was, like, 1230. I'm climbing my set. And a freaking, I'm, I would say he was at least 150. I mean, he was high 140s if that. He was a 10. Comes barreling through the woods as I'm climbing my sticks, man. I'm, I mean, the only shooter I've had, like, in oh, range. Yeah. And you're caught with your dick in It's your pretty hands. deflating. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was it was like everything I could do to climb up my tree and get my bow up. Like, and I'm watching his tail just trickle away in the valley. And I'm like, please God, just let him like pin this doe down there and bring her, bring her right back by me. But it just didn't happen. That's been pretty much like I said, my season wasn't, I'm not going to complain about it. I've seen, I've been in deer and seen deer, but like nothing I had seen this year made me want to pick my bow up. And even, yeah, that was the that's the coolest thing with the rut. I mean, I feel like when you hear yeah, them coming, it's like because right, you never know, you know. Um, right. You know, I I saw right. I videoed a slammer early last week bow hunting here by my house, and I was talking to the boys in my group chat and looked up, and all of a sudden, there's 160 inches of bone coming through the timber. And he never gave me an opportunity. He was, you know, close as he got was 60 yards. But just finally seeing a slammer again was like, okay, that's what I'm after. That doesn't make it so tempting to pick it. Yeah, it doesn't make it so right. tempting to I'm pick up your chips. bow on that 130 because you've not seen a deer in three days. Um. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hear you, man. I do, honestly, because I'm, I'm kind of at that point. Like, I feel like if I 
don't get a chance at one in the next like two weeks, it's going to be really tough. I feel like to get one in late season. I've I really don't know. I'm kind of talking out of my ass because I have never had to hunt in Kentucky late. So I don't know. They Maybe this eat, is man. just what I'm supposed to go through this year. But they that's yeah, the thing is like do. I'll figure. Last it out. year I had a grinder year. Like I took the entire month of November off. I passed deer after deer after deer that would make absolutely anyone's season. You know, not not anyone, but a lot, of, almost anyone who hunts. You know, I passed 130, 140 inch deer on a weekly basis. And I ended up not punching a tag because I was grinding for that 150 or better. Yeah. I really wanted a 160 or better with my bow. And I had them. Right. You know, they were around. I knew they were around. It was just a matter of crossing paths with one. Um, and I, I, it was rough. But I almost felt like I had better success on finding those deer late than I did early. Like, during that, right after the rut or during the rut scenario. You know, I, really? they're more patternable. They're, you're, they're back to okay. almost early season deer. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. I know that there is zero pressure around here in late season because really like there's just hardly, even people that bow hunt a lot just don't seem to bright, don't seem to hunt much, you know, come late season. So maybe I'll be in the chips, man. I'm hoping it's going to go down in the next week. I keep saying that. You just never know. <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. It almost came together. You don't dude. And that's, that's the cool thing about the rut to me. Like I know some of our buddies like absolutely hate the rut, but I don't know. I feel like there's always like, especially when you're hunting like a valley or something, cause you're like, you hear them coming, you know, like you hear them coming way ahead of seeing them. And it's just when they're chasing like that, I don't know. It just gets my heart pumping. And I think what on Saturday, I probably grabbed my bow like at least eight times. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. it's on. And just that feeling right but there it is, is that's why we to do me, it, it's you know? always so that wondering what's going to come over that hill next, or or what's over that next ridge. Exactly. You know, that's what keeps me going back. That's what keeps me right. pushing. And you know, you know, some it's gotten me through a lot of sits. You know, that I'll see a deer in the next ten minutes. And 10 minutes goes by, and it's like, all right, no, I'll see you here in the next 10 That's minutes. Because right. you really just don't know. And as a bow hunter, you've got to be in the chips. Like, you can't just sit on the edge of the field and hope something steps out at some point. You know? No, I agree with you. It is a mental thing. You have to have and confidence that's, in where, you know, I think where that's you're what drives the sure. whole run-and-gun mobile aspect is – when you get to that point that you can't be content with just sitting there and hoping that, you know, if that deer's, right. you know, crossed out there at 75 yards from you and you go, you know, you're only got a 30 yard, you know, kill radius and it's made, you know, it's cut, it's followed that trail 70 yards from you two days in a row now, but you're stuck in your ladder stand and you're just going to hope that he does something different. Well, why is he going to do something different? There's no reason for him to do something different. He's still alive and doing right. the same thing every day. So that's what he's going to continue to do until something changes it. So being able to just move exactly 50 yards to give yourself that 20-yard kill shot, you know, now you're in his periphery. Now you're in his world. 
Yep. Because at 70 yards away, you're not in his world. He can react to you seeing you 70 yards away and be gone before you ever think about touching him, no matter what kind of predator you are. You know, so he's exactly. not worried about you that far away. You get inside yeah. that 20-yard radius, and it seems like they wake up. And, you know, but... I agree 100%, man. Yeah. It is also super cool when you're in that you're in that zone and you get it done and they have not a clue in the world that you're there. Like, I don't know. That's like my favorite thing about bow hunting, in my opinion. It's just like when you can catch yeah. one off yeah. like that. Well, man, honestly, like this conversation has been awesome. I love uh, I love how we were able to cover the actual story of the bump and dump and everything. But one thing I really wanted to ask you that I want to ask all of our you know guests that we have on here is. What's one thing that you think you do or have done that separates you from, you know, a lot of the other guys I out think here in the my biggest game? advantage when it comes to chasing deer and being successful is just being able to do it to adapt to whatever that day or that situation has to come whatever it throws at me. Like I think part of that's, you know, I'm I've been hunting for almost 30 years at this point. It's a lot of time to gather knowledge together you know, intel on how deer react and what deer want to do naturally. But also just being able to read a scenario and make a, make a decision and adapt and overcome, you know, that's really a hundred percent what it boils down to. And, you know, yeah, that is as simple as like my, this weekend, my son and I, you know, we doubled and uh, he killed out of a ground blind Saturday morning Saturday afternoon, he wanted to go hunt does, and the new farm that we had picked up had a box blind on it, so I told him we'd go sit in the box blind and stay warm, and when we got up there and got situated, he just wasn't tall enough to shoot out of the windows, um, so I thought thought about it for a few minutes, and we decided to make a change, and I took him to an old abandoned van on this property, and uh, we climbed inside the abandoned van. And I ended up killing a pretty decent buck out of it. But, you know, and I, you know, we kind of explained it to him, you know, I was like, you know, it's all about adapting, man. Like I've never hunted here before. This whole farm is new to me. Like I've hunted one or two places and, you know, I've scouted some, but we just have to adapt day by day and make it work. And the same way when you go out of state, you know, when you go to new property or you just have to be able to adapt. And I think people pigeonhole themselves and they're just, they're done before they ever get started by sticking themselves in one location or one spot because they've seen a deer there before they've been successful there before. Um, you know, you, you just have to adapt to what the deer want to do. You know, the odds of you manipulating those deer to do what you want them to do are slim to none. So you've got to be able to adapt your style or your skill set or what you want to do to fit what those deer are actually going to do. That is spot on, dude. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think adapting is, is probably one of the things that people, like you said, as you go on in time, like you you start to understand that. It's like instead of me trying to do something to make it happen, it's like adapt to what your situation is. And, well, yeah, I mean, when, you know, when I start talking to guys that I see that around town that but you, uh, they're your typical, you know, guys that, are, you know, weekend warriors or whatever that, oh, you know, deer hunting sucks this year. We're not seeing any deer at all. And, you know, and I've – I ask them straight up. I, I ask everybody this question when they start to complain. It's like, well, what have you done differently this year to try to find deer? And 95% of the time, the answer is, well, nothing. Right. 
They most people don't know, man. I would I would have to put us in a category of, you know, like they say, uh, what is it? Ten percent of yeah. the hunters kill, you know, ninety percent of the game, you know, or maybe it's the eighty twenty. Uh, I could be yeah. off there, but I think it's pretty accurate. And you know, I I'm fortunate enough, and you are too, like to know some, you know, some pretty talented deer hunters, and a lot of them have the same Absolutely. perspective we do on things, but. With that being said, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this one out, brother. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, uh, you know, what do you have going on? Yeah, you I mean, follow me on Instagram. Any plugs you want to uh, throw out? Obviously, just Tyler Tedero. A lot of the other, a lot of my stuff gets fed through Film the Outdoors on Instagram. That's probably the two most most frequented places for my stuff. And the Film the Outdoors page is probably going to be a lot of fun here coming up with some of the guys we've got on there. So I'd say definitely give that a follow and keep an eye on what we've got going on right on man well tyler i can't thank you enough for joining us man i know it's been tough i know you're a really busy guy but thank you so much for coming on here with us man and um look forward to catching up with you here soon and uh we're gonna close this one out guys we'll catch you all next week thanks again for tuning in with us this week guys we really appreciate y'all I want to give a big thanks to our sponsor, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. If you guys haven't, check them out. Uh, get on their website at lonewolfcustomgear.com. Got a ton of great stuff, uh, great mobile hunting gear, anything you can really imagine. Uh, constantly innovating, coming out with great products. Speaking of, I uh, want to give a, a shout out to uh, our buddy Cody. Um, if you guys didn't know, Cody DeQuisto is starting his own uh, clothing line apparel called Womo. Uh, it's tailored to the mobile guys got a lot of great stuff good gear give that a check out um they just launched their website um you can check them out at womo outdoors on instagram we're going to end today's segment with a quote from zig ziglar uh it's a great quote i really like this zig says what you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals i couldn't agree more honestly uh there's so many things you can take from that one and uh i really appreciate you guys again um if you can please tune in with us next week we got some more great stuff coming and uh have a great week